1: Host your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today.
0: Good morning and welcome to Score Values on 670 the score. I am your host, Adam Stazinski. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with the Director of Senior Services at Marillac St. Vincent Family Services about the senior program called Take Charge. We're joined here on Score Values by Hillary Waldron. She is the Director of Senior Services at Merillac St. Vincent Family Services. Hillary, I know we've had you on the program before. Thanks so much for joining again.
2: Uh, you're so welcome. I'm glad to be back.
0: Let's start with... Merillac St. Vincent Family Services itself, for those who don't know what it is, and you don't have to go, I know you guys do so much, but just an overhead of what Merillac St. Vincent is.
2: Sure. So Merillac St. Vincent is a social service agency, and we serve the entire life cycle. So we serve everything from infants and um, early childhood children, all the way through uh, youth and school-age children, and then adults. Uh, with our Community Outreach Services Department and Senior Services, which is where I work.
0: And the Senior Services portion is primarily what we're going to be talking about here today. So you have a new program called Take Charge. So so what is this program and, and what is it that is, is happening at, at Merrillex St. Vincent around Senior Services right now?
2: Sure. So Take Charge actually has been around for a really long time, but it's kind of reinventing itself after the pandemic. Um, But yeah, Take Charge has been in existence since like the late 80s, actually. Um, And it's a program for seniors to come into our center on the west side of Chicago um, in East Garfield Park. And it is a group that meets once a month to offer socialization opportunities as well as learning opportunities. Uh, There's a meal, um, because we know that we all like to socialize over food, Mm -hmm. and um, we go on field trips and do different kinds of things like that. So it's a great opportunity for seniors to connect with each other and spend time together.
0: So you mentioned that it's reinventing itself since the pandemic. So how is it reinventing itself?
2: So we're kind of reconnecting with each other, because obviously during the pandemic, we had to stop meeting in person for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And we were really cautious. Obviously, seniors are still very much at risk for COVID, but also all the other stuff that's floating around out there. Um, So we wanted to be really cautious um, about gathering in big groups, Mm -hmm. because before COVID, we had a group of about 55 seniors that would come. So that's a a pretty big group in a, a not a huge room. Um, Mm -hmm. So we wanted to really figure out how can we meet safely and how can we um, get together? Because after a while during COVID, we all sort of felt like we need to see each other, Mm -hmm. right? Like humans are meant to be, we're social creatures. We like to be around people. We like to be connected. So at a certain point we had to figure out how to allow people, how to uh, create opportunities for people to meet, but keeping things like covid in mind so for a while last summer we met outside in our parking lot um so that there was lots of airflow and then this fall um we made the decision to start meeting indoors again and yeah the we still wear our masks and are very cautious but um yeah our seniors have been enjoying coming back and really seeing each other again um on a consistent basis for the first time since the pandemic
0: that's that's so great so during the pandemic, I'm curious, you know, what types of things were you were you really able to do or, or did the program kind of at any point have to to halt at all? Or or how, how did things go during that, you know, really the, the peak of the pandemic that year or two there?
2: Yeah, so. First, the first wave, if you will, the first year or so, Mm -hmm. um, obviously we couldn't meet in person. And so there was a couple of months where we didn't really know what to do. And so we pivoted to using zoom Mm. kind of like a big conference call service because a lot of our seniors don't have internet access or using a computer could be really kind of frustrating (laughs) so we use the call-in option and so we have these big sort of joyful conference calls where people are just happy to hear each other's voices Mm. so we did that for about nine months in the the sort of most serious parts of COVID, and then we tried to meet outdoors a little bit and kind of Went back and forth with that because as, like, Delta came in and it was like, okay, now what are we going to do? So, yeah, we've we've tried a lot of different stuff when it comes to Take Charge, but we're back to sort of in-person. But we also relaunched the digital portion recently yeah. um, because some of our seniors during COVID kind of slowed down a little bit um, or just maybe just aren't ready to come out yet for any number of reasons, but still want to stay connected. So we wanted to provide an additional way for them to stay connected to their community. Cause some of the folks who are in take charge have been coming like since the nineties. So they are super connected to this community and really love and care about the people in the groups. They want to stay connected for as long as they can. So we're trying to come up with different creative ways Um, We did a lot of phone calls during the early part of the pandemic. I was talking to people all day, every day, just making phone calls so that our seniors knew that someone was caring about them, even if we couldn't see them face to face. One Christmas, we did distanced like drop offs of Uh, um, uh, little gift cards. And I wore a Santa hat so that there was some like, you know, cheer there um so we 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 tried to get as creative as we could while still being really really cautious and safe
0: i'm curious about the age range for this program is there like say a minimum age for take charge
2: usually it's 60 okay um yeah but we range our average age is like 85 okay so and yeah our oldest uh some of our older members are in their 90s so we've we've got everything in between from 60 on up
0: (laughs) so we're talking with hillary waldron she's the director of senior services at merillac st vincent family services we're talking about their program take charge and so you know bringing bringing things back to you know after the pandemic as, as we mentioned you guys are kind of getting back together more in person so what types of activities when you when you do meet in person? What types of activities do you do you does Maryleak St. Vincent do for take charge?
2: Yeah, so like I said, we meet every month, and so we do a different activity every month. One month we might do an art activity. One month we might have a speaker or have um, a discussion about a topic. We recently just talked about nutrition for seniors mm. because nutrition is different at different life stages. We need different. Um, nutrients and minerals. And we want to make sure people understand like the importance of hydration and movement and all those kinds of things. So topics that they're interested or that are relevant to them. Um, Sometimes we just have fun and play games. So we have a game day coming up um, in May where we're just going to play a bunch of games and have fun. Um, We are getting ready to try our field trips again, probably in the fall. So we like to go to museums or um, dance performances or music or things like that. So it really ranges.
0: Obviously, the main point of all of this is to provide social interaction. So what, and I know we kind of touched on this, but why is social interaction so important for particularly seniors?
2: Sure. Right. So I think we all got a little bit of a taste of, what it's like to not be around your people for a long time during the pandemic, right? We all got a little bit separated and maybe felt the absence of people being in our lives all of a sudden. And for seniors, they were dealing with that before the pandemic because lots of seniors end up isolated, whether because of mobility issues or health issues, or, you know, just in general, there aren't a ton of spaces in our World these days where people can meet and kind of hang out mm. and socialize, right? We don't have a lot of those spaces, restaurants perhaps, but like you have to, you're going there with someone, right? There aren't a lot of just sort of gathering places. And so, For seniors, they can become isolated as they get older, as their social groups change, as people move away, maybe move in with children, move into different levels of care, as people pass away. So they suddenly are facing that reality of it being at like 80, making new friends. Hmm. And that you know, we know it's not easy to make new friends at any age. (laughs) but it's especially hard when you're an older adult and maybe you don't have a lot of opportunities to get out and about yourself or you're kind of nervous. Like a lot of our spaces are not designed with seniors in mind Mm -hmm. in terms of accessibility, plenty of seating, like, so creating a space that seniors feel welcome and comfortable to come to is really important for us and creating that space where they can see other peers and really connect with their friends is important so
0: now when we look at i guess the the alternative here and it's it's really i guess getting to the point of social isolation what have you noticed if you the negative effects i I guess i'll say of social isolation here
2: Right, we know there's science that shows that social isolation has like significant impacts on our mental health and our physical health. It create it increases the likelihood of anxiety, depression. It can increase your risk of heart disease and all kinds of other stuff. It like really actually does impact our bodies and our minds mm. when we spend a lot of t- when we are isolated and when we are lonely. Um, there's tons of research about it, and obviously they did even more research during COVID. Um, so I'm sure we will see even more in the future as we learn what the impacts of those things are. But we we already knew before the pandemic that being isolated negatively impacts both your physical and mental health, pretty significantly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that it's definitely a lesson that we that we all learned in the past several years. So w- when we I, I'm also curious about if you've noticed that sometimes somebody that is reluctant to join this program and is reluctant maybe to, to I guess I'll use, I'll say exit social isolation because I, I think that sometimes I guess I've noticed just from some of the elders in my family, they get reluctant to get out and meet mm-hmm. new people, even though you see that they're kind of isolated so how would you go about encouraging them or encouraging these people that are reluctant to, to, to join these types of programs and to be a little more active?
2: Sure. Yeah, it's like I said, it's sort of hard to suddenly be faced with making friends at like 80. Mm-hmm. Right. There's all these think pieces about how hard it is to make friends in your 30s. And I'm I'm waiting for the think pieces about how hard it is to make friends when you're an older adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really nerve wracking to, like, walk into a group and be like, hi, I'm the new person. Right. We've <laughs> all been there. It's yeah. it's really tough. So it can be hard. And especially if you're in a routine of like, I stay in the house and I watch tv and i do this and i read my book and i do my puzzles and like you know this is my routine each day and it can be hard to break out of that so i think my recommendation would be you know for folks out there who have an older adult in their life who they're concerned is figuring out a group that does an activity that they are interested in Hmm. so if finding a, a card you know like a um playing card like bridge or something like that. If that person likes to play cards or maybe it's finding a knitting circle. I know knitting is making kind of a resurgence and that can be an interesting like intergenerational opportunity. I think sometimes seniors are intimidated or, Young people are also intimidated by people coming who is who are not the same age. But I think there's so much to be gained from intergenerational interactions mm-hmm. and, like, sharing of stories and just learning from each other. Um, or maybe it's like going to a digital literacy class and, like, learning how to use a computer or um, finding a volunteer opportunity even. Because um, sometimes there's volunteer opportunities that seniors can do because they're during the day that mm-hmm. folks who have sort of nine-to-five jobs can't do. Um, but they can they can help with. And so it might not be as simple as a socialization program. But I think there are lots of ways people can get connected back into the community.
0: You know, I'm glad that you brought up the idea of younger people, you know, meeting and talking with 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 seniors, because I found in and again, just, you know, just using example from my own life. Like I found that like sometimes, you know, if if I'm like, I'll just say just recently I was I was connecting a little bit more with, an older member of my family. And I realized that she has all these amazing stories and has done all mm-hmm. these amazing things that I just had no idea about. And I think that there's just, you know, just the, the fact that you could talk to someone that has all these life experiences. I think there's something to be learned there.
2: Oh, absolutely. We have a, a small sort of internal project where we're Recording life histories of our of our seniors for exactly that reason, because sometimes people don't get asked these questions and it turns out they've lived really interesting, cool lives that maybe they didn't have an opportunity to share with you. So I always encourage people who have older adults in their life to start asking questions and be like, what was it like when you were my age? And just hit record on your phone. Like, we all have some sort of, like, voice recorder app or something on our phones. And then you have those stories told in their words, in their voice, for you to share, whether it's with your other family members, potentially future generations, like, it's... I think it's a really interesting way to learn about history. Like if they are from the city that you're in, like if they're from Chicago, they can tell you what Chicago was like in the seventies or what it was like in the fifties or, you know, like what their neighborhood was like when they were young or the games they played. And sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're totally different. And you learn some quirky story that you would have never found out otherwise. And so I think just asking questions and being curious and being interested in someone is the best way to start that conversation
0: right yeah I couldn't agree more so as we start to to look forward a little bit I I, I'm curious the longer-term impact what longer-term impacts have have you noticed for seniors you know through this program on the on the west side and and just within the Marillac St. Vincent organization
2: Sure. Like I mentioned, some of our seniors have been attending for like 20 years, which to me is a testament to the fact that they're getting something out of it and they find value in this community and how we can take for granted, again, having community gathering spaces, how important that is for people, Mm -hmm. especially as they're aging in their lives and their lives are changing. I really love seeing the friendships that develop of people who maybe didn't know each other and then they become really good supports to each other. So they, when somebody gets sick, they take food and they call other people and say, can you check on this person? You know, or if that person loses a loved one, they, they show up for that person calling each other, going, taking each other, like when someone's still driving, like giving people rides and like, and they go on, they go and do social events together as well. Like other stuff that we don't do, you know, like, and so now they have a buddy to like go to the movies with or do something. And so I think that is such a meaningful thing that can last for like a huge chunk of time because, you know, we're seniors for longer than any other part of our life cycle, right? Like it's the longest um, age bracket that we're in. Um, so, you know, it's important to have supports with you. And I think that's what, been one of the biggest impacts that I've seen.
0: Do you have a, 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 any, a story about a senior, a specific senior who was impacted by this?
2: Um, well, it's it's hard to choose. Um, <laughs> I just think of, uh, I have a few seniors that I can think of who came and as you mentioned before, were like a little bit nervous, and maybe weren't really sure, like, is this group for me? Who are these people? Like, I've never met them before. And maybe came that first time and didn't talk a whole, mu- a whole lot. And we're kind of, like, looking around, like, what's going on here? And then within a few meetings, we're, like, laughing and talking and joking. And we're part of the group. And that's, like, that's pretty remarkable to mm-hmm. see that happen. You know, someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of other people in their lives, um, and, you know, and you can't tell by looking at someone how active their social network is. And then as you drill down and you find out, oh, like so many of the seniors say to me, I look forward to this every month. Like this is one of the things that I look forward to every month without fail because it's it's so meaningful and that there's not as many opportunities for them to get out and about. And so the, the ones that they can get to are really important.
0: Right. And again we're talking with Hillary Waldron, Director of Senior Services at Marillac St. Vincent Family Services. This is Score Values on 670 the score. How many seniors are are involved with take charge and is there is there a limit on the number of people that that you can have involved?
2: So we have about 60 people right now who sort of um, att- can't attend at any one time. Um, we do have a limit, but we currently have room for more folks. So if there are people who are interested, um, they can check out on our website, um, uh, the phone number to call, or I can give the phone number. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're looking. We're looking for more seniors to join. Um, so we do actually have room and take charge for new members. So,
0: uh, so you can if you if you have the number, you can go ahead and give the number. Or I know that the your website is Merilac Saint Vincent is an stvincent.org. So if there's a number right. though, you can if you have the number, you can go ahead and give that.
2: Sure, you can actually just call me Hillary <laughs> at seven seven three five eight four three two six five, and we can talk about the program, and I can answer more questions and um, figure out if it's a good fit for you and get you all started up.
0: Is this program or any other programs at Marillac St. Vincent looking for volunteers?
2: Um, I mean, definitely Marillac St. Vincent overall is always looking for volunteers. We have a variety of different opportunities. If you're looking for volunteer opportunities, as we mentioned, the website is a great resource for that. we sometimes use volunteers for um, Take Charge, so yeah, if you're interested, again, you can just apl- like go through the volunteer section of our website, and it'll get connected right to me.
0: Okay, great. Well, Hilary, I really appreciate all this information. There's just a, one more thing I wanted to ask you sure. about. Is I, it, When we spoke last year, we talked a, a, a little bit about t- the, the idea of trauma-informed care. And this is Mm -hmm. so I I wanted to ask you again about that because it's it's been a while. And so the idea of trauma informed care, what is it and why is it important?
2: Sure. So trauma informed care is sort of the concept that we don't know what someone has experienced prior to meeting them. And in the case of trauma, which can happen in big and small ways, um, that can affect our behavior. And so when we approach people, if we approach from a trauma-informed care lens, it's approaching each person with compassion and kindness and awareness um, that they may be traumatized. And so behaviors that may seem um, challenging or not appropriate might actually be as a result of trauma rather than just like, oh, I'm trying to make your life more difficult and so if we can approach each person with with care and awareness of the um what trauma does to our brains and our bodies we can create spaces that are more um, safe and welcoming for folks who might have experienced trauma um and if we can do that we can create a more positive environment overall
0: so it sounds like when you're getting down to it there it's it's approaching someone, if you're talking with someone, whether it's, you know, therapy or even just having a conversation with someone and, and you're not understanding a, a behavior trying to think that it might not be that they're just doing this for no reason. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's just an awareness and a a willingness to, um, approach people with sort of compassion, right. That, mm-hmm. Um Again, trauma can affect us in a number of ways, and some people experience um, trauma throughout their lives, like in the case of childhood abuse or neglect, or they may have experienced it in um, a more short term way, like something like a car accident that's very bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so and things in our environment and people behaviors can trigger that trauma to come up again. So for someone, let's use the example of a car accident they may suddenly hear a very loud noise that sounds similar to a noise they heard during their accident that has nothing to do with that. They're safe. They're not in a car, but that tells our brain, "Uh Oh, something is wrong because the last time they heard that noise, something very bad happened. And so, um, that can trigger people and they may not even realize exactly what's going on because our brain goes into kind of fight or flight mode because we want to protect ourselves. And so if we kind of approach, especially in the social service setting, like if we want to approach people with the awareness of like, we don't know what has happened to you at any point before today, Mm -hmm. right? You, you may have had any number of experiences that have made your life more challenging. And if we can approach you with openness and willingness to understand that, we're going to have a more productive and positive relationship.
0: Okay, great. Well, Hillary, I appreciate you uh, talking about that and everything else that we, we spoke about here today. And, and thanks, thanks for all the, the great information and for your time this morning.
2: You're welcome. Happy
0: to do it. And this is Score Values on 670 The Score. That was Hillary Waldron, Director of Senior Services at Marillac St. Vincent Family Services. For more information about Marillac St. Vincent, you can go to their website, Saint vincent that's stvincent.org. Up next, Brittany Greiner, who was wrongfully detained in Russia for much of last year before being returned home to the United States, held a press conference this past week and spoke a little bit about her experience and about persevering through the times in Russia, plus what it was like knowing that other people that are wrongfully detained are still overseas.
2: What resilience has been required for you to be sitting up here today? How have
1: you found the resilience personally to be here with us? You know, I'm no stranger to a hard time, so... Oh. He made me cry. Um, Just digging deep, honestly, you know, uh, you're going to be faced with adversities um, throughout your life. Uh, this was a pretty big one, but I just kind of relied on my hard work, getting through it. I know this sounds so small, but, you know, dying in practice. You Put your head down and, and just keep going. Just keep moving forward. You know, you can never stand still, and that was my thing. Just never, never be still. Never get too focused on on the now. And just you know, looking forward to you know the Western Cup. Hey Britt, UGNet Governor ABC News. I think I have everyone in my policy here We wow. are so see Thank you. And I don't know if it was timed with your availability today, but you may know that uh, the Washington Post, and New York Times, the Wall Street Journal put out an ad demanding the release of Evan Gershwin, right? Um, so during your detention, were you aware of all the efforts on your behalf, of the hashtag we are And what message would you send to Evan and Paul William today? Uh, yes, I was aware. Um, there was a little bit of a delay. Of different different things, the the W R B G. So um, just knowing that and having that, just being aware of what was going on when you know you don't know anything. You, you just you're there, you're sitting there, you're you're like, okay, I know people are are, are fighting for me or bringing awareness um, to what's going on. And uh, those those times where I was able to see what was going on, it, it definitely made me a little bit more comfortable, made me a little bit have hope, uh, which is a really hard thing to have, a really dangerous thing to have, because when it doesn't work, it's so crushing. Um, And I would say to to everyone that is wrongfully detained um, right now across the world, uh, stay strong, keep fighting, don't give up, um, just keep waking up, find a little routine. 6 that routine and just best you can. I know that's what what helped me. Just find little things to do, just whatever it was. You know, um, just keep pushing. Cause are not gonna stop. We're not gonna stop fighting. We're not gonna stop bringing awareness to everyone that's that's left behind right now. I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about what your ordeal did for your mental and your physical health and what your journey has been to get back to the place where you are now when you're about, about to embark on a season. Um, you know, the is, um and coming back from basically, you know, doing nothing, uh, not having any gym or anything to, to be at, um, getting back into it little part, it, it's still a process. Um, you know, just the little things. I mean, doing a plank. You know, it was so simple before, and couldn't even stay up very long, you know, and just regular playing when I first came back. Uh, Because as an athlete, you always want to be where you left off. And I left off playoffs, you know, finals, Chicago. Um, And I wanted to be that that player when I started back. And uh, just everybody telling me to give myself grace and uh, take, it's gonna take time. But that's the hardest thing to do to to a pro athlete because we always want to be right back at our tip-top shape. Um, So it's been a struggle, but like I said, it's liberating as well at the same time, just as a release, just getting back to my craft. And then being here in Phoenix, you know, my coaches and my teammates really supporting me, you know, at every step of the way on court. So it's been it's been good.
0: That's WNBA player Brittany Griner talking about her experiences since coming home from Russia after being wrongfully detained. That's it for this edition of Score Values on 670 to Score. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Adam Staczynski. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 to Score.